Hi, this is Tiffany Bova. Welcome to a reload of the What's Next podcast. This is one of my favorite episodes, and I always like to bring those ones back that had a huge impact, not only on myself, but I got a lot of feedback from listeners just like you. I hope you enjoy this week's reload of the What's Next podcast. Welcome to the What's Next podcast, where I have the absolute pleasure of welcoming Kara Swisher to the show today. She is the co-founder and editor-at-large of Recode, producer and host of the Recode, Decode, and Pivot podcast with Scott Galloway, and co-executive producer of the Code Conference series. She also has a special series on MSNBC called Revolution on the impact of technology on work, society, and more and is a contributing opinion writer for the New York Times. Welcome to the show, Kara. Hi, how you doing? I could go on and on about your uh, bio, but I thought I'd keep it short because otherwise we could just spend 25 minutes doing that. (laughs) But I like to start out my show with something I call bullish and bearish, and it's just something to get the juices flowing and and get us to know you a little bit and have a little bit of fun. So bullish is if you're for it, uh, bearish is if you're against it, and we'll get started. You ready? Got it. I'm pretty All right, sure. The, okay, good. All right. The first one, robots will make humans work harder. Bullish or bearish? That's not true. Bearish, I guess. Okay. All right. Good. I want to dig into that one. All right. The next one is uh, kind of you know hot in the news at the moment, but we are going to go trust is the new business currency. Bullish or bearish? Well, it's hard to say. That's bullish and bearish. I think it's probably true, but it doesn't mean people are going to do that. So both. Fair, fair. All right. And the third is a little more fun. It is we will have more conversations with AI within our significant others by twenty, the end of 2020. <laughs> hmm. I guess we already do. So bullish. All right. Not too painful. Mm-mm. All right. So let's dig in. Let's dig into the first one. I, I was actually uh, I was surprised that you said that you didn't think so. So robots will make humans work harder. Why do you think that that Why is? Why would they make them work harder? They work less hard. I mean, I think the whole idea is to relieve humans of drudgery. Things are just the way automation has, and that automation is part of robotics uh, to remove more and more jobs of drudgery. Uh, in data, at least, you know, before machines were relieving people of physical labor. And, uh, and that was the last, you know, machine revolution. And this one will remove sort of digital drudgery from people. And do you think, you know, the, the, you know, the predictions of it's just going to wipe out all these jobs, you know, I'm, I'm sort of mixed on it. I think there are some, as you just said, you know, some in the manufacturing with this sort of automation. No, no, that or- was before. That was previous when they put company, you know, farming used to be done in, in a very physical way by a lot of human beings. Now it's done by few human beings with a lot of machines um, and more and more machines. I, I don't, you can't be mixed on it. Jobs will change drastically. Um, there's no question about it. Um, so there's going to be, you know, many, many of the jobs that humans be, do now are going to be replaced by robots, especially digital ones and ones that have an ability to be replaced in a digital sense, like s- certain parts of uh, diagnostics in medicine or certain parts of filing, the way lawyers file and use data, um, anything that has a, a data element that can be uh put into done better via AI will be done that way. And that means it replaces jobs um, and it will. And so the question is, can we find different jobs or shift jobs in certain ways that, that, that it doesn't depend on the digital part of it. And so, you know, as, as 
you know, there's obviously very large organizations that rely on humans and this, you know, introduction of AI and technology into the workforce. And it makes people obviously very uncomfortable. And you nailed it by saying, you know, it's, it's this really reskill question. Mm-hmm. And so how do people, you know, if you're the one that needs to reskill uh, is one side of the coin. The other is, you know, I'm an employer who needs to reskill. What, what do you mm-hmm. think the best approach to do do those things is? Well, I think you're, it's good. a lot of the onus is going to be on employees now. I mean, employers will have to understand what they need, and then employees will have to be, and employers working together to constantly re, be retraining people or moving people to different skill sets. And I think that's, you know, that's a, that that goes up and down the the chart. I mean, it starts at very early ages of what how what we're how we're teaching kids and what we're teaching them, all the way up to you know, a pretty much a state where everyone's going to be working at many, many jobs over the course of their career rather than two or three, they're going to be working 10 or 12. And so that requires different skill sets. Well, you were just doing, mentioned that, you know, you were doing something at NYU with students and what, mm-hmm. what, what are they asking? What, what's top of mind for them when they think about, look, I'm in college, I may be entering the workforce, all this stuff is going on, you know, what's top of mind for them? Well, I think a lot of things. It's not just NYU. It's not just NYU. It's all students. They have to decide what you know what jobs will be replaced in the future, and what is what are the skill sets needed. And I think you know a lot of them are still the same: good decision making, good teamwork, uh, good ability to problem solve. You know, I think rather than rote learning or memorization. Um, obviously, technical skills still will, you know, we're, we're in a very low employment, uh, low employment economy. We have so many jobs available now, but the question is, as as things change, what are those things that you can do that set you apart, that differentiate you in some way? Especially creative jobs will be very, you know, there'll be plenty of those because it's very hard to replicate human creativity. Um, So you have to think really hard about where you fit. But if you're someone that's doing, you know, say a radiologist, you're not going to have a job because that's going to be done by AI um, for the most part, diagnostics like that. And so how could, you know, like some of the things that you mentioned, I've had a number of people on the show uh, who come out of academia, you know, the professors, et cetera. And, uh, you know, they, they have this very bullish feeling about how we need to rethink education because of almost what you just said, right? It's creative, it's arts, it's, you know, some of those softer skills, quote unquote, I put those in quotes, you know, that uh, decision making versus that you know, this is how, you know, an MBA class, this is how you run a business, this is what happens without any sort of, of the of the rest that is now so necessary. So w- what things do you think, uh, you know, may be needed that are lacking on the education side to help sort of fill that out based on what you just said? Well, I think, you know, I think there's not that, you know, they're very good college, you're going to get a great background in humanities or in thinking or critical thinking, um, problem solving. It depends on where you go. I think what I'm saying is you can't be in, or you're in jobs like a plumber or electrician. Those are great jobs. You know, those don't necessarily get replaced by computing, but you have to have certain skills in those areas that are, that are related to computing because a lot more stuff is electronic, has to do with that a lot more a lot more jobs will have an element of understanding technology better. Um, and so I think I think a really well-rounded education still is the best way to go for anybody, unless you happen to be, you know, someone who is an engineer and wants to learn about whether it's mechanical engineering or computer engineering or civil engineering or sanitation engineering. It doesn't really matter. It's just you have to really be up on, on what the latest uh, technological developments are in those fields. So what do you think, uh, you know, I, I, I'm always curious with someone like you, right? You get this opportunity to 
um, you know, be at events all the time and meet really mm -hmm. fascinating, interesting people. You're, you know, really deep, deeply embedded in the tech community. And so what do you think the next, you know, class of next gen of unicorns is going to look like? What's going to be different than the ones that we are, you know, we have that we've had maybe over the last mm, you know, three to five years? You know, there's all kinds of interesting stuff being generated. I do a lot of interviews with venture capitalists, and you know, there's they're they're moving from different things. No one's interview, you know, investing in social networks and search because Facebook and Google dominate everything, and so there's all kinds of different areas around climate change, around um, uh, medical, um, all kinds of areas that that are there. People, healthcare obviously is a really interesting area that still the nut hasn't been cracked there yet in terms of what the real implications are for technological changes there. Um, and so, you know, I think you just have to, you have to think more broadly if you're making investments today rather than just sort of consumer electronics. There's a lot, still a lot of, uh, B2B stuff, but, uh, at, at, at other areas. I think the consumer area is a little less exciting than it used to be. And there's not as many big hits because of these giants like Facebook, Amazon, Google that sort of dominate everything. And so, you know, it, you, you mentioned sort of the VCs that you're meeting with, you know, I know that there's been this huge push and, and a lot more, uh, you know, focus or conversation, if you will, around the equality on the VC side and, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, women standing up, you know, VC firms. And, you know, it, it, do you think that that's getting better? I know you just, no. had, you just had a cameo role on Silicon mm -hmm. Valley for the last season. Several. So, right, several. So, you know, uh, do you think it's getting better? And, and if not, why not? It just isn't. It's just they aren't recruiting as many women. I mean, some of them are. There, there's more than there were, I guess, but the numbers still are pretty low. Um, and just because people pattern match, you know, people pattern match and are comfortable with the people they're comfortable with. And so I think they're missing an, a huge opportunity, as I've said many times, to get sort of more of an outlook and not just women, people of color, um, older people, you know, you to have to have a real viewpoint on everybody, you really can't be the same people. But, you know, people, that's how they figure out how to have on boards. And I think these companies suffer for lots of reasons because of that. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time I think we've had five generations working at the same time. And to your point, you know, I think people get very fixated on, uh, you know, it's when they say diversity, they just think men, women. Mm -hmm. Um and I think it's so much broader than that, right? It's Absolutely. A hundred percent. It could be yep. race. It could be, you know, where you're from. It could be language. It could be disabilities. It could be, it could be all kinds of things. Um, but another area I think that, that uh, gets overlooked is sort of the, the kind of thinking style of somebody, right? You have, mm -hmm. uh, you have somebody who is very purposeful, you know, and will hire somebody that's like that or somebody who's very quick, mm -hmm. <laughs> doesn't get along with very purposeful, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so diversity can be across the board, but I, I see a lot of the solution in that lack on the VC side is women saying, we're just not going to wait. We're going to stand up our own fund. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, they do. They're trying that, but that shouldn't be the way it should, you know, I, there are a lot of really great women run firms, uh, Alien Lee, Cowboy Ventures, there's lots of them. But, but I think the question is, is the numbers are really pretty much very small for women, very small for people of color. And it just leaves out an entire group of, you know, from the decision-making process. And I from a business point of view, diverse, uh, diverse organizations are better. It just, it's, it's exhausting to have to, to keep, arguing about, but that's, that, that is the case. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that, you know, I always try to start conversations with people who, you know, have that position, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what is the product you're selling and who are you selling it to? Right. Right. And if 50% of the buyer or you know, there was the Nordstrom's, the new Nordstrom's women's store opened in New mm -hmm. York this week. Mm -hmm. And there was a stat out from them that was like, 
I, I forget the exact numbers, so don't anybody send me a note, but it was like, you know, uh, 40% um, of the people who shop in the men's department are actually women shopping for their husbands or boyfriends or just men in their lives, right? Mm -hmm. The second was that, and then when men are there, that 68% of the time, their wives or girlfriends or mothers or whatever are with them, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it's rarely that it is one or the other. And so, you know, it really should start with kind of who is the customer you're targeting, right? Or the, mm -hmm. you know, student or the patient or whoever it might be. Uh, and then, uh, you know, back into, well, we do we have that representation? And when I go with that position, it's interesting to watch them look at me like that's the most ridiculous thing they've ever heard. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, well, we, I'm, I'm totally confused. Like, yes, so we sell to, you know, this and this, but that doesn't mean we have to have those kinds of people running our, you know, business or on our board or in our leadership team. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can't explain. <laughs> it's just, it's biased. Right? I don't know what else to say. I, there's nothing to say. It's kind of, it's just yeah. seems stupid to me. So. Yeah, and and even uh, even the lists that have come out recently, you know, the most uh, powerful CEOs and and HBR yeah, that was pretty one. awful. Yeah, and and HBR followed it up, and there was four yeah. on on the most powerful, and and you know, I think people now understand, and and they were much more upfront about, look, you know, we picked it, and because there isn't women in those roles, that's why there isn't women on the list, and well, spent a little bit more time on it. Yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> It's one of those, you know, one of those things. I know, that you, I'm you, tired you get, of arguing about it. Yeah. It, and, uh, and, or, you know, just the conversation, right. It, yeah. It's, it's very interesting. All right. So we'll move on from that one, but I, finally we know only white men are smart. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so let me pivot that a little bit. You know mm -hmm. that 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 we 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 talked a a little bit about trust in in the new economy, and you sort of said, you know, you know, yes and no, and and, and just so much is going on. Um, how do you even wade through that? You know, how do you wade through that conversation? How do you find sort of the light at the end of that tunnel? Well, it's not my job. At all. It's a job of regulators. I mean, I write about it. I, I think one of the things is we got, you know, our regulators are getting much more involved in finally regulating the internet industry. The internet industry should take responsibility on its own to really recognize um, the problems. I mean, I just wrote a column in the New York Times this week talking about their binary thinking. You know, Mark Zuckerberg just gave a speech at Georgetown, which he said, you know, it's either free speech or not, or, or, or chaos. And I was like, wow, there's a whole range of things in between there. You know, I mean, this binary thinking is what's got us in the wrong place where they either you have to love prime delivery or you're a communist or I don't know. Like it's just, it's odd. I mean, you can, you can have a, uh, you can say, okay, I love prime delivery, but boy, there's environmental implications. There's job implications. There's, you know, all kinds of things The price cutting. Does that hurt competition? Or you may like Google, but you can say, why is there one information source on the planet? Isn't that a little bit problematic? Like, should we have like, are there implications on media? Same. It's just it's just a question of being more complex in your thinking. And unfortunately, much of the tech industry loves ones and zeros and they're very binary about everything. Yeah, you know, it's, I was on a panel uh, a few weeks back, and we were talking about you know just how uh, autonomous vehicles are so great, right? It's we you know the stats are we lose so many people a year in the mm -hmm. United States by car accidents, and the you know the, the majority of them between you know eighteen and thirty, and you know was, isn't this going to be great? And I said, you know, I I read something a number of years ago that. I don't know if you're aware, uh, you know, saying this at the panel, right? I don't know if you're aware, but 25% of donor organs actually come from car accidents. Oh, and okay. so if we improve the fact that there are less car accidents, you know, what are we doing on the other side of that equation? 
Well, to, you know, we can make, you know, we can make, we can make uh, synthetic things. Well, that's where that's going. There's a lot of act, activity in that area of making synthetics body parts. I don't know. I think I'd rather save a lot of lives. You know, I mean, the, the numbers are really quite uh, disturbing. And people shouldn't be in a car. They really shouldn't. They shouldn't be driving. That's the problem with car cars is people. Um, well, I, I don't disagree with you, right? But to your point, it can't be one, it's not one or the other. Yeah, right? everything has some implications on something else. But, you know, I think most people would agree to cut down on accident, traffic accidents because of human error is a good thing. Right. Um, overall. Right. And and do you think that companies uh, should continue to or start to, because some do and, and many don't, kind of have mm-hmm. this office of kind of the ethical use of and humane use of the technology and AI, you know, in a way that to back to your point, right? Are we, are we doing it? Should there be one, you know, should we invest in this? Should we do this? Is it really what's good for human society, the planet? Mm-hmm. Um, or do you feel that that pushes out to the regulators? Well, I think regulators have to get involved just slightly. I mean, there hasn't been any regulations on technology, the new technology sector since it started. So, I mean, to speak of, there's no, you know, Wall Street is regulated. The chemical industry is regulated. The pharmacological industry, not well regulated, but it's regulated. Cars, you can't like, can't make a car without all kinds of government intervention. Um, So there's absolutely no uh, restrictions on the internet industry. So there should be some. So we'll see what happens in, in Washington. Well, you know, with that, you know, you were talking about funding and sort of, you know, if you were going to do something and all this opportunity, particularly in healthcare, you know, that we haven't yet realized all that can happen there, you know, the cures of things we can find because we now have all this access to technology. But, mm-hmm. you know, what what would you what would you say to the founders of today that they could learn from the past, the wins and the losses of what you've watched? I mean, I know you wrote a book about AOL a long time ago in a little tidbit fact that I actually grew up with Steve Case, the founder of AOL, both from Hawaii. And, um, you know, it, 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 the, you've watched it from such a unique vantage point that mm-hmm. like thinking about the wins and losses and founders today and, and not from a what should they invest in, but just a, you know, what can they learn from from what has gone on? Because it, it has definitely been, it's it, you know, tech is interesting for so many reasons, but um you know, what, what would you say to the, the next generation? Uh, what would I say to them? I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, about, I think, you I think know, about they, learning from the past. Well, I think everybody learns from everything. I think that, that I don't have to tell that to them. I think new entrepreneurs are very wary of the way the previous entrepreneurs have been creating things and they're thinking more about ethics. They're thinking more about implications and impact. Um, you know, I do see them aware. I don't think anybody like, look, Mark Zuckerberg used to be the, like the, the, the star. And I think a lot of people are like, do I want to be him? You know what I mean? Do I want to do that? Do I want to have that impact and be that thoughtless about things? And so I think that, you know, people learn from seeing and, um, and I'm hoping that they, that they see that they have more of a responsibility than just making something. They have to think about the impact of their inventions on society broadly. And it doesn't mean they shouldn't make them and they shouldn't stop making things, but they have to think harder about the implications of things they create. And so, you know, as employees of companies, you know, there's lots of discussion about sort of this, um, you know, employees now, well, even brands, right, being more socially conscious and transparent about where they stand on certain issues. Um, but, you know, the employees that are, are working at brands are, and especially in the Gen mm-hmm. Gen X, Gen Z are saying, you know, I don't want to, I, I want to work for a brand. I agree with the values on it. And then the flip of that, right, I don't want to work for a brand cause, mm-hmm. uh, or a company. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the, the sort of the, you think employees are going to be able to 
shape a little bit more of what well, they are already uh, there. You know, Google Walkout. There's stuff at Amazon happening. There's stuff at all the companies. I mean, I think there's there's a disconnect between the leadership and the employees here. I mean, obviously these people are very well. Most of them are very not all of them, but most many of them are very well paid and um, have pretty luxe lives. I think they do are they they are starting to see the systemic connections between what they're doing and problems in society, and including in within their own company. They've got. Some people have jobs and other people are contractors with much less rights and much less money. Um, you can just look at something like Facebook, which has content moderators who are much abused versus the, the fancy people at HQ. And so I think these, I think a lot of people at these companies are questioning whether the way it's put together is the way it should be put together. Yeah, fair. And, and I, and, you know, I, I feel like um, I have great hope for this next generation of tech. I, mean, I have, you know? friends, so I'm really. They're very much aware of their their impact on society, and I think that's that's an important thing. And I think the first ones they were rushing headlong into a very exciting space, and everything was up and to the right um, without thinking about the damage. And I think you, it doesn't mean you don't. Again, you know, I'm not someone who doesn't want people to innovate. I want them to think about the implications of their innovations. That's all. It's it's pretty simple. It's it's what an adult does. Yeah. It, well, it, yes. But like you said, right, not in a binary way, not, you know, I mean, it's, it's the, uh, the rub of all those things. Right. And so, um, what, what's, what most excites you about, you know, what you've heard or seen, you know, in your travels in, in, in 2019, what, what has been something that has just gone like, wow, that, you know, that was, that was great, or that's really interesting, or that's terrible, I guess, on the flip of that. Well, I've spent a lot of time in Washington talking about regulation, so I've been focused on that in this year, and I haven't spent as much time leaning into innovation where it's going. But, I, you know, there's some really interesting stuff being done in farm tech. There's interesting stuff being done in climate change tech, healthcare tech. You know, there's all kinds of cool things that really have big, bigger, bigger implications than just a social network. Um, but, you know, I think we should really make sure we have it locked down uh, with these social networks, for example, or these search engines for the next, uh, not just elections, but the impact in, in, on society, including around addiction and other things. Yeah. How, how can people get involved? You know, you're doing so much around the regulation and, you know, how can they get involved in, you know, if they feel passionate? They can talk to their Congress people. They can talk to their, you know, they, they, these people are voted in and say, this is important to me. There's lots of issues people have to deal with, obviously. Um, you know, I mean, there's healthcare and there's, there's bigger, bigger issues than, you know, necessarily a privacy bill, but it's all part of, you know, it's all part of the same thing is we need a really strong privacy bill in Congress. We have one coming on in California and some other states, but it would be really great if the government really protected consumers, something like that. If that's important to you and how your information is used. Get Tell your representative, this is important to me. I want you to do something about it. I want you to think about it. Um, or if you're interested in, you know, I think privacy is the is one of the biggest issues of our era in this space, not in all spaces, but it, it has implications in healthcare. It has implications in Everything you do is related to all the digital information you upload uh, to the to the to the cloud or to the world and to these companies. And so it's really important that you are protected and you can get a transparent view of what happens to your data. Yeah. And I and I think, you know, there there's so much to be said for, uh, you know, I, I was I didn't get my first laptop until. I think I was like 19 or 20 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ish. Right. So. Uh, I am an immigrant, digital immigrant. <laughs> I, am, no. I am not a native. Um, and my first cell phone was probably right around that time as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I, I can only imagine what my life would be like if everything had been captured in my 20s on social media, right? Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
probably yeah, that's different. Better. I mean, that's you know, that's the way we're going to live. It's going to be like oxygen going forward. But I do think that people have to really think hard about what's important to them, including, you know, again, addiction, all kinds of things with these digital devices. Yeah, and and so you know, around that addiction conversation, you know, I, I think that there's the stats out of just how much time people are spending online. Um, I don't mean from a work perspective, right? You know, like if you have to work and you have to work on a computer, right? It's almost impossible to avoid that at this point. But just from the social connectiveness, you know, uh, and and how much sort of the always on in that social sort of social environment that. Um, that the, that the isolation and depression numbers and all the things this, you know, I feel disconnected, like all that is increasing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do we, how do we help back that up a little bit? You know, how do we, um, you know, from a technology standpoint or even a leadership standpoint, you know, how do we help people sort of un- unwind from the fact that they feel they need to be so tethered? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's a good question. A lot of this is actual physical addiction. And so I think there's going to be a lot of studies of this over time as we become more and more ensconced in our device world or our you know, digital world. And so I think, it, again, it's, it's like cigarettes or anything else. Many people have compared it to cigarettes and things like that. So I think we have to spend a lot of time thinking about it. And again, the government has to get involved in some fashion. You know, that there are, uh, you know, few people who, you know, sort of go out and, you know, fight the fight on a daily basis on some of this stuff. So I love the fact that you stay, you know, way out ahead of, you know, making sure we're all aware of what's going on. So I, you know, I, I appreciate all that you do uh, out in the marketplace and and the the hard work you put forward and just trying to, you know, bring to light the stories, because I think, um, Mm -hmm. you know, stories are the greatest way to educate um, people around, uh, around the world, especially in our, our little microcosm known as, (laughs) the tech industry, um, but just in general. Um, and so what, what do you have coming up for next year that you're excited about? Oh, everything. I just keep asking questions. That's my job. I'll, whoever's interesting, I'll find and I'll talk to them. Well, that's great. Well, that's kind of how I felt about you. So, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I thank you for making time no problem. Um, for us and to join me on the what's next podcast. And, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I appreciate all you do out in the marketplace. And so, you know, I, I thank you for your time today, Kara. So any, any sort of last words as a inspiration as people, you know, wrap up this podcast and oh, I'm not an inspiration. I just write, I just, I'm not an inspiration. I just try to find interesting things and try to get people to, to pay attention to things that are critical to their lives. And this digital has changed everybody's lives. And we have to make sure just like with things that have good aspects of them, that we protect ourselves against the downside. Well, you know, keep telling those stories. Thank you again for joining us on the What's Next podcast, Kara. It was really my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. So great to have Kara Swisher on the What's Next podcast. It's it's interesting to hear from a point of view of somebody who is just out championing about how to use technology in ethical ways, how to have more equality in the VC industry, sort of what's around the corner and not having this binary thinking of it has to be either this way or that way and there's no in between. So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you were introduced to Kara if you didn't know who she was. Follow her on Twitter, she's super active. Uh, she's doing so many things and if you get a chance to see her at a trade show or an event, please tell her you heard her on the What's Next podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe, share with your friends, leave a review and have a, an amazing rest of your day.